Turn to Psalm 139, and uh, it'll take me a while to, to get there in the message, in that uh, what I normally do is have you turn to one main passage of Scripture, but I use a lot of Scripture in the message. And so we're going to go through a lot of Scripture. All the Scripture will be on the PowerPoint. One of the reasons we do that is because if someone is new or a guest or maybe unchurched, but they've come to church and they don't have a Bible with them, then uh, you'll be able to see all the Scripture up there. Um, I, we're going through a series on the attributes of God. And every week I'm going to give you a pop quiz on the attributes that we've already covered. Last week was God is good. And think about even the timing of that message. By the way, the message, because of technical difficulties, we didn't get it recorded last week. Some of you may have tried to buy the tape. So I scheduled with Thomas to come in on Tuesday and re-record the message. We scheduled on Monday. Tuesday morning that happened. We I watched the television that morning. I felt like I still wanted to, so I came in Tuesday afternoon and preached again. God is good. I just No one was in here. I think I preached it better than last Sunday. So if you want to get the tape, uh, it's available. All right, so that was last week. The first week was God is a person. Everyone get that? All right, God is a person. This week we're going to talk about God is omni. Omni. And the reason I'm saying that is because we're going to cover the omnis of God, that He is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. And the word omni means all. One of my uh, goals for preaching this series is that it will become a part of your life. And I was studying on these three this week, that He's all-powerful, that He's all-knowing, that He's all-present. And Tuesday night, after I prayed with uh, our daughter Elaine, came back down, and about 30 minutes later, she came downstairs and said, I can't go to sleep because I keep seeing those planes crashing into those buildings in my mind. So I prayed with her again, and without realizing it, what came out was just, God, I thank you that you're all-powerful, that you have enough power to protect us. I thank you you're all-knowing, and you have enough knowledge to guide us, and I thank you that you're with us at all times, even when we lie down and go to sleep. Prayed for us, she went up, went right to sleep. So that's what I'm praying for in these messages, is that they become a part of our lives. So the first thing we're going to talk about is God is omnipotent. The definition is, now if you're new, I have sermon notes in the bulletin. And we, I put them on both sides this time because I put some more information in there, but I still want to give you room to write. Uh, last night, uh, George and Jan were still in the service last night. George is in the office of a teacher. And while I was preaching, the whole time he was writing notes. And that made me feel real good because that means I've studied enough for a teacher to, to think it's good. you know. So I, that was real good. So I want you to also write down what the Lord is speaking to you. God is omnipotent. The definition of omnipotent is God has all power and all ability to perform all his decrees. Let me say that again. God has all power and all ability to perform all his decrees. You have to understand, it is his power that gives life to his other attributes. In other words, if God wasn't all-powerful, then his mercy would be feeble, and his promises would be empty. We would not be able to put our trust and our confidence in a God who did not have all power. But God has all power. His power is the strength of all of his other attributes. His power is what gives us our faith and our confidence. We have peace because he has power. 
Even this last week through the tragedy, our peace came because God is still in control and God is still on the throne. God has two types of power, ordained and absolute power. Ordained power means simply that He has the right to act and absolute power means He has the ability to act. Let me explain it through this. In creation, what gave God the right to create the universe? It was His ordained power or simply that He is God. But what gave God the ability to create the universe? His absolute, without measure, infinite power. God has absolute, complete power. All things were created by His power and are sustained by His power. Now, what does His omnipotence mean to me as a Christian? means of several things. Number one, it means that I can overcome sin by His power. See, we want to take every attribute and apply it to our lives personally. I can overcome sin by His power. Not by my power, not by my will power, but by God's will power. By His omnipotence. 1 Corinthians 10.13 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God, who is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with every temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This is what God does. God's power is available when I'm tempted. Don't believe the lie that there is a sin that you cannot overcome. That is a lie of Satan. This is a habit. You've been doing it 20 years and you'll never be able to overcome this sin. That is a lie. There is no sin, no stronghold that you cannot overcome or get free from by the power of God. That's how powerful he is. Secondly, it means I can overcome demonic forces. I can rebuke Satan and his demonic forces standing in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 4, real well-known scripture. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God in me is greater than Satan. See, we know God is greater than Satan, but you need to add the words in me. God in me is greater than Satan. No created being will ever be greater than its creator. Satan is not more powerful than God. As a matter of fact, God and Satan are not fighting. I am fighting with God's power. There's a battle, but the battle is between us and the demonic forces, not between God. God is in absolute control, absolute power. And that power is available to us. Satan is not out of control. Satan is not Frankenstein out of control. You remember the movie Frankenstein? Dr. Frankenstein created this monster and the monster went out of control. God did not create Satan and now Satan's out of control and even God is afraid of what he might do. God is absolutely, totally in control. That's what it means that he is omnipotent. Thirdly, it means he strengthens my physical body to be able to accomplish his will. Because God is omnipotent, I even receive strength in my body. To do what He wants me to do. Romans 8 verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Notice it says will give life to your mortal bodies. 
He's not just giving life to my spirit or to my soul. He gives life to my body. My physical body, my mortal body receives strength because of the power of God. Because God lives in me. This includes healing. Physical healing. Cancer is not bigger than God. We must know that as Christians. Yesterday, I uh, some of my neighbors drove up and I hadn't, hadn't met them. And uh, I knew I hadn't met these because it was six Harley Davidsons came down the street. And I like Harleys, you know, so I, I went out to meet them, you know, six guys on Harley. They had the leather, they had the beards, you know, uh, everything. I mean, they were great looking motorcycle riders, you know. So I went out to meet them and found out they were all Christians. That I was a little disappointed. I wanted to win someone to Jesus, but they were already all, all saved. So anyway, I fellowshiped with them anyway and talked with them for a while. Great guys. Loved, and one of the guys there, just yesterday, gave, told me this. He said, I've had 14 stents put in my heart. I developed heart disease. He was about 50-something years old. Developed heart disease. 14 stents. The last time I went, a year ago, the doctor said to me, I cannot do anything else in your heart. There's nothing medically we can do. We can't go back in this many times. And there's nothing we can do for your heart anymore. And basically sent him home to die. And he was at home and he said, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything you want me to do. And his church was having evangelism explosion, that teaching, you know. And God said, I want you to go learn how to win people to Christ. And he said, God, I can't even walk to the mailbox. How am I going to win anyone to Jesus? The Lord said, I want you to do it. So he said, I went and took the course. And as I took the course, I got stronger and stronger and stronger. And he said, for the last year, I've been winning people to Jesus. And last week, I went and took a stress test. Have you ever taken a stress test? They're stressful. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> taken one, but they're terrible. They make the incline of the thing, make you walk up the hill, you, <gasps> you know, do all this stuff. He said, I took a stress test last week. And the doctor, same doctor that sent him home a year ago, said to him, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your heart. If I hadn't have seen it, I wouldn't have believed it myself. God strengthened his physical body to do. That's how powerful. That's what God's omnipotence means to me. The fourth thing is, it means that God's power is present to witness, heal, and minister through me. To witness, heal, and minister through me. When I'm witnessing to someone, when I'm ministering to someone, when I'm praying for someone, it's not me, it's the power of God through me. I can have confidence that when I ask God to move in that person's life, God is going to move in that person's life because God is all-powerful. Here's the second thing about God. God is omniscient. Again, the word omniscient comes from the word omni, which means all, and the word science, which means knowledge. God has all knowledge. The definition is God knows everything, everything actual, everything possible, all events and all creatures, past, present, and future. Let me say that again. God knows everything. Everything actual. Everything possible. All events and creatures, past, present, and future. God knows all at the same, th at the same time. If God didn't know all future things, then God would be mutable in His knowledge. In other words... God is immutable. That's one of his attributes. That means God never changes. Well, if God doesn't know everything, then when he does learn something, he might change. If he ever learns anything, maybe he'll change. God, listen, God can never learn anything because he already knows everything. You can't teach God anything. 
You ever met a person who's a know-it-all? Well, if you met Jesus, you have. Now, he's not a prideful, arrogant know-it-all, but he really is the know-it-all. He knows everything. He cannot learn. Let me give you another little... As You, you know, when you think about the attributes of God, you kind of trip a breaker, you know? Because it just gets too big. His eternalness, His infinitude, it's just too large. It's bigger than we are. So when I was thinking about this, I just kept coming across these things that kind of blew me away. This is one of the statements. God doesn't think. Because if God thinks, that means that He can think of something that He's never thought of before. Therefore, He would think of something new. God doesn't think in the sense that we think. Because when we think, we're trying to figure something out. God is never trying to figure something out. He's never bewildered. He's never confused. He never walks back and forth wringing His hands, wondering what to do. Hoping an idea will come to Him. God knows everything at the same time. All knowledge. Listen to this. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God the Father and God the Son have never been sitting around in heaven talking and God the Father has never said, you know what just occurred to me? <laughs> and God the Son has never replied, no. <laughs> because they know everything. God has all knowledge. Nothing surprises God. Tuesday morning did not catch God off guard. Now, what does his omniscience mean to me? It means that nothing is going to catch him by surprise. And he has already planned and provided for me and my family to walk through it. Let me say that again. It means that nothing is going to catch him by surprise. And he has already planned and provided for me and my family to be able to walk through it. The stock market that we've been going through the last 18 months did not catch God by surprise. And even though I planned before, and now my plans are changing, you know, I met with the guy that does my retirement account, and I said to him, our strategy has changed. No more do I want to make money. I just don't want to lose anymore. Please help me in this. I said, just, just forget about making some. Just try to keep what I got. And I don't have much, but what I had was much to me. I didn't like losing it. I lost 75% in the last, I don't want to get into that. I want to tell you how good God is. <laughs> the point is that it didn't catch God by surprise. And God's actually already planned and provided for my retirement. And yours too. Let me just show you a couple of scriptures on God's omniscience. Now, we're not at Psalm 139 yet. We'll be there in a minute. So you might just see these on the PowerPoint. Job 38 is incredible to me. I love Job 38 and 39. You ought to read it when you get home. Job 38, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Let me give you the interpretation. God said, What idiot is talking now? You want, you, do you want to talk about knowledge, Job? All right, let's talk about knowledge some. That's what he says. He says, now prepare yourself, and I'm going to question you, and you will answer me. Can you imagine God saying, I'm going to ask you some questions, big boy. Just get ready. 
Here are some questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. You notice a little smart alecky in God there. <laughs> Surely you know, Job. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? Have you commanded the morning since your days began? Boy, is that a good question to ask somebody? Or has the, or caused the dawn to know its place? You know what some versions say on that? Has the dawn ever come to your throne and asked you when to rise? That's what God is saying. You ever told the morning when to come up? Job, huh? Verse uh, 12. Or verse, uh, was that verse 12? Verse 16. Have you entered the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the door of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? Well, there's a good question, isn't it? And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory, that you may know the path to its home. Do you know it? Because you were born then. <laughs> well, he's really reaming Job out here in the number of your days is great. Here's a good one. Have you entered the treasury of snow? You know what he's saying? You know where I keep the snow in storage? Do you know, Job? Or the treasury of the hell, which I've reserved for the time of trouble, the day of battle and war. Now, here's a good one. By what way is light diffused? How would you like God to ask you, explain to me how to diffuse light? Come on, you're smart. See, that's what he's saying. Let me just tell you this. God has all knowledge. Now, what that means is that I can trust him. I can trust him. He knows it all. He knows me and he knows what's best for me. Here's the third thing. God is omnipresent. That means He is fully present in all places at all times. He is fully present at all places at all times. The word present means close to, near, or here. If you ask God the question, God, where are you? The answer will come back, I'm close to you, very near, right next to you, I am here. That's where God is. God is everywhere at once. See, if there was any place that God is not or could not go, then he would have limits. And he has no limits because he is infinite, without limit, without measure, without bounds. Here, you remember a moment ago I said God doesn't, uh, nothing has ever occurred to God? Let me give you another one of these statements that might blow you away when you think about the omnipresence of God. God doesn't travel. Because the reason you travel, travel is to get somewhere where you aren't. Right? And there's no place where God isn't. So God never travels. He's just there. He's right there. Do you realize God was in the planes that were hijacked? He was in the buildings that were bought, that were, that planes ran into. He's already there. He's with them. Right there. God is everywhere. Now, I want to make a statement. I asked my wife last night, how'd you like that statement? She said, I couldn't write it down. So you may get, you may want to write. All right. This is the omnipresence of God. 
God is above all presiding. He is beneath all sustaining. I want to slow down for you. I like to make the whole thing at once because it makes a good impact. But I want to wait for you. God is above all presiding. He is beneath all sustaining. He is outside of all embracing. And He is inside of all filling. Let me say that again. This is how omnipresent God is. God is above all presiding. Yet He is beneath all sustaining. He is outside of all embracing. And He is inside of all filling. Is that good? You follow that? That's where God is. You want to know where He is? Well, is He outside of me or inside of me? Both. Is He above me, presiding over me, or is He beneath me, holding me up? Both. He's everywhere. The heaven of heavens cannot contain God. Look at this scripture, 2 Chronicles 2, 6. It says, the heaven of heavens. Who is able to build Him a temple? Because the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain Him. Now see, we think that the universe contains God because God is everywhere in the universe. Yes, He is. But the universe cannot contain Him, but it does contain Him. In other words, He's in the universe, but the universe doesn't contain Him. He is so much bigger than the whole universe. You know, scientists have spotted stars as far away as 300 million light years. And for us to even comprehend that, stars are so far, unbelievably far. 300 million light years. And yet it's not. Let me, let me just try to catch the, the bigness of God. All right? If you take um, a bucket about this size, let's say, and put it in the ocean. When when you put it under the water, the ocean fills the bucket. Then let the bucket sink to one mile deep in the ocean. So the bucket is in a part of the ocean where the bottom, but that part is one mile. Of course, they're six miles deep in some places. So we got it one mile deep in the ocean, this bucket. All right? In the ocean. Let me ask you something. Is the ocean in the bucket? Yes, there's ocean in the bucket, right? But really, that's not that much. Because the bucket is in the ocean, right? All right, the bucket is the universe. And the ocean is just a little example of the bigness of God. You see, yes, God fills the universe. Because it says, do not I feel heaven and earth. God said, do not I feel heaven and earth. Oh yeah, he fills it. But the, earth, the heaven and earth don't contain it. He's so much larger than everything else. That's how big He is. That's how large God is. God is everywhere. If you're the first one in the building and you're filling the Kleenex boxes and no one else is watching, guess who's here with you? If you're home alone and the phone rings and it's bad news, guess who else is with you? If you have to leave your family and go on a business trip and you're halfway around the world in another country in a hotel room by yourself, guess who else is there? Because God is omnipresent. Um, if you were being tempted to sin, let's say you're being tempted to do something, and God spoke to you and said, I'm about to show up, would you do it? Surprise. <laughs> He's already shown up. 
He's there. Even when you're all by yourself, God's there. He's in your house. He's in your car. He's at your office. God is everywhere. Psalm 139, are you there? Now, Psalm 139 is a great passage because Psalm 139, let me just give you, before you read it, just listen to me, there's 24 verses. They are divided in sections of six. This is something you might also want to write down and study later. The first six show the omniscience of God. The first six show God's all-knowing, all-knowledge. The next six, verses 7 through 12, show the omnipresence of God. That God is all-present. The next six, verses 17, verses uh, 13 through 18, show the omnipotence of God. Right here in this chapter, we have the omnipotence, the omnipresence, and the omniscience of God that I'm preaching on today. And the last six, I believe, show His justice, which is another one of His attributes. So the first six, let's just read the first six. Uh, These show the omniscience of God. Oh Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know my my sitting uh, down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. You see how he's saying, God, you know everything. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. All together, I believe he's saying, you even know the thought behind the word. You have hedged me behind and before. See, that's God's omnipresence. You're in front of me and you're behind me. And you've laid your hand upon me. You're above me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot contain it. That's the omniscience of God. Here's the omnipresence of God. Verse 7. Where can I go from your presence? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Why would even the light be? Because he is there. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. There they are. And the omnipotence of God, I think it goes on to say, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, you even formed me. Listen, God formed man. Do you realize we talked about God's omnipotence? Just for a moment, let me make this point on this. We talked about God's omnipotence in creation. God made everything by speaking, except for one thing. Everything He made, He spoke into existence, except one thing. He spoke, let there be light. He spoke for the animals. He spoke for the plants. He spoke all that. But when He decided to create man... He used his own hands. He formed us with his own hands. And guess what? According to Psalm 139, he forms every baby in the womb with his own hands. God is still making humans with his own hands. It says, you formed me in my mother's womb. You even formed my inward parts. You formed every part of me, God. Isn't that that awesome? God is still using his hands to make humans. Because he is... Powerful. He's all powerful. But now we're talking about his omnipresence. He is everywhere, this verse says. You are everywhere. No matter where I go, you're going to be there. Now, 
The problem is that we talk about God being close or far away. How could God be close or far away if God is everywhere? Well, let me explain it to you. We think geographically, but God is not geographical because God is everywhere. So when I sense God's nearness, it's not that He is geographically near me. That's not it at all. Let me make this statement. It is not distance that separates us from God, but dissimilarity. It is not distance that separates me from God. It is dissimilarity. In other words, God and I are not similar anymore. Therefore, we're distant. Let, let me explain that. If you take my wife, my wife's very gracious, very kind, uh, very refined manners. She's got all that stuff, you know. She teaches me. Sometimes we go to the things, you know. We went to a dinner one time, had 14 pieces of silverware. And mine only had six, but they looked like 14 to me. I don't, I did. They were all over the place, you know, all sorts of things. And they seated her away from me. They, for some reason, they seated men and women so you'd get to know everybody all around this big table. And I, normally she's right there. She can tell me what to do. So I had to just watch her and she was just so good. She'd just pick up the one, you know, and just kind of, you know, and I'd, so I'd, and I'd love it. One, two, three. <laughs> I know how to do that. If you take my wife and put her in a room with an ape, and you come back hours later, they have had no fellowship. You can leave them in there as long as you want. No fellowship. You know why? Dissimilarity. They are totally opposites. They, there's no alikeness at all. Now, I was thinking about this illustration. I thought, you know, you put me in a room with an ape. Come back a few hours later, we'll probably be eating bananas and scratching each other, you know. Because <laughs> we're closer. But it's, it's similarity that, that causes fellowship. God created us with His nature so that we could fellowship. But when man sinned, we lost the nature of God. And now we are dissimilar in our moral natures. We, our moral natures are in contrast to each other. God is going one way and I'm going the other way before. Christ. I was born with a dissimilar nature than God. That's why you can be where God is omnipresent. God can be in the same room with you and you feel a million light years away. So what do we need? How are we going to get together? How's God and man going to get together? Listen to me. Man can't do it. As a matter of fact, man's attempts to do it are called religion. Only one who is God and man can bridge the gap. God became man so that He could redeem us and, get this, impart some of His divine nature to us so we could fellowship again. Look at this scripture, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. By which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. Watch this. And that through these, through these promises, these, you may be partakers of the divine nature. 
Listen to me. When I got saved, God, by His grace, implanted His part of His divine nature to me. And now I can have fellowship and communion with God. But even as a Christian, you can feel a million miles away from God. You know why? Because it's the same thing that separated you before you became a Christian. Sin. Sin breaks our fellowship, not our relationship, but our fellowship with God. And when I come to the place where I agree and say, God, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. And I agree with Him. Then our natures can again come together. And we can communicate. And we can fellowship. You can be in a room with friends and strangers and feel closer to the friends than the strangers, even though you're saying you're right there geographically. And your wife can be or your husband could be across the room and you have a closeness there that you don't have with anyone else, even though they may be farther away from you geographically. There's a closeness. In the same way, you can be lying next to your spouse in the bed with the lights out and have just had a fight and not feel very close at all. You may be close enough to be hit, but you don't feel very close. Is that right? That's the way it is with us and with God because of the dissimilarity. When we talk about His omnipresence, so we need to understand one more thing about His presence. There are three levels of His presence. He is omnipresent, which means He's all-present. Then there is His inner presence, or some call it His indwelling presence. And then there's His manifest presence. This is what we want on this earth. His manifest presence. Listen, it is His manifest presence that makes heaven heaven. And it is the lack of His manifest presence that makes hell hell. God refuses to manifest His presence in hell because of the dissimilarity in nature. And yet God manifests His presence on this earth and we can sense and we can feel His presence when we come together and worship. That is our primary goal, to enter His presence, to become aware of His presence so that God can speak to us and we understand and we can have a, a moment in the presence of God. Genesis 28, this is what happens with Jacob. Jacob goes to sleep in Genesis 28. And when he wakes up, this is what he says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid. Verse 17 is the verse that we base our church on. This is the, first, this is the verse God gave me for the church. He said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And the New Living Translation says the gateway of heaven. And that's the verse God gave me to plant the church on. But I want you to look at verse 16. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And just keep looking at that verse for a moment. Let me explain something to you about it. It is grammatically incorrect. It is theologically correct. Now, it can be grammatically correct if there's an implied phrase added to the end of it. Let me explain what I mean. It says, surely the Lord is in this place. That's the present tense. And I did not know it. That's past tense. So you can't leave it there. In other words, this sentence implies a phrase. Let me tell you what the phrase is. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it, but I know it now. I am now aware of the presence 
of God. This is the manifest presence of God. I've heard lots of illustrations and people trying to explain the presence of God. It's God making His presence known. I believe all that. But let me give you another definition. It's us being aware of the presence of God. It is when we come to that place, either in worship or our quiet time, or when we get saved, the first, when I got saved in that motel room for the first time in my life, I sensed the presence of God. And I was aware of His presence in that room. That's what happened. This is what happened to Jacob. Jacob came to the place where he was aware of the presence of God. And that's what we're, that's what we do. That when we come to church, that's it. God is everywhere. But we need to walk in His presence. What does His omnipresence mean to me? It means no matter where I or my family go or what we walk through, God is with us fully at all times. No matter where I go and no matter where my family goes, God is with me fully at all times. God doesn't just know all. He knows me and He knows what I'm going through and He has the wisdom to guide me through it. God is not just all-powerful. He wields that power in and through us. And God is not just all-present. He is present with us. This um, today is actually the birthday of our church. Now, you're not, it's not the birthday of our first service. Our first service was almost 17 months ago on Easter. But two years ago, September the 16th, 1999, God spoke to me in a prayer center about coming, to moving this area and planting this church. He birthed the church in my heart two years ago today. And let me tell you what happened in that room. He manifested His presence. He made Himself known to me and I became aware of His presence and He spoke and He began to outline the vision for this church. That's His manifest presence. God is wonderful. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. And it's absolutely wonderful when we walk in His presence. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.